Good to see you all this morning. Thank you so much for being here. I also want to say hello to all of you who are watching online and on television. For those of you in the room, would you give our online television audience a big hand? Please, please come out and be a part of the Missions Conference. We're so excited about this. Our mission partners locally and from around the world are going to be here. And I'm looking forward to that Saturday, a chili cook-off. Isn't that a great idea? Bring in missionaries from all around the world and give them heartburn. It's going to be awesome. As a fundraiser, we're going to be selling Tums. So, yeah, it all goes to missions. It's a good cause. It's a good cause. Bill Fortin sitting right back there. I just want to say he turned 90 years old yesterday and he loves contemporary worship. Give him a big hand, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> All right. If you have a Bible, go to Genesis 45. Last week we started by admitting that every one of us have been betrayed in life. Would you still agree with that? Every one of us know what it's like to be betrayed. Someone has made a promise they didn't keep. Someone has said they would do something, they didn't do it. Someone has done something that we didn't want them to do, and it hurt us. Every one of us have been betrayed. And while everybody on the planet has been betrayed, no matter how old they are, no matter their culture, not everybody knows how to forgive. Not everybody knows how to do that. But you know, you are designed to forgive other people. God designed you in such a way that you are created as a forgiving being. Whenever we say, well, that, you know, that's just not my personality. Well, that's the sin nature. But God designed your body biologically to forgive other people. In fact, science will tell you that whenever you live with resentment and bitterness and anger toward other people, when you hold on to past hurts, and you think about those in the moment, when you drag those, those uh, betrayals from the past into the present, your brain doesn't know the difference, whether it's happening right then or it happened 30 years ago. And the effects on your body are astronomical. In fact, whenever you bring resentment and bitterness into the present, it disables your body's repair system. Inflammation increases in your body. And not only does inflammation increase, stress hormones are released in you. Unforgiveness can literally kill you. So the question is, how do we do it? If we were designed to forgive people, how do we actually do it? We've been looking at the life of Joseph. His life is found in Genesis 37 through 50, first book of the Bible. And Joseph went through betrayal after betrayal in his life. Let me give you a brief summary. He had one brother, Benjamin, 10 half-brothers, and his half-brothers really didn't like him. In fact, he lived with those 10 half-brothers who wanted to constantly kill him. They were very jealous of him. As a matter of fact, they were going to kill him one day, and then one of the brothers, Reuben, actually stopped him. He was physically assaulted and abused by them. He was stripped of his coat of many colors, this coat that his dad had given him, and he was thrown into an empty well. They thought about what to do with him, so they decided to sell him like property into slavery. And he was sold into slavery into Egypt by his own family members. He was falsely accused of things he did not do once he got there, and he was put in prison. And then the person who promised to help him get out of prison did not. Yet another betrayal. If anyone had the right to feel betrayed, it was Joseph. Like many of us in the room, we live with a series of betrayals in our life. And again, the question is, what do we do with all that? 
Well, then one day while Joseph is in prison, something happens. Pharaoh has a dream. He doesn't know what to do with the dream. And the cupbearer who met Joseph in prison said, I know somebody who can interpret that dream for you. And in fact, I should have told you about him uh, a long time ago. In Pharaoh's dream, uh, Joseph was called forth and he interpreted it for him. He said, there's going to be seven years of abundance and then there's going to be seven years of famine. You need to prepare for those seven years of famine. And so Pharaoh said, because God showed you this, I'm going to put you in charge. And Joseph was placed second in command in all of Egypt. And so the famine hits. But it not only hits Egypt, it also hits Canaan, where all of Joseph's family lives. Jacob sent 10 of his sons to go get grain for the family. And whenever they get there, they meet somebody they did not expect. And the scene for Genesis 45 is this. The scene is that Joseph is standing there with all the Egyptians who work for him. And also there are his 10 brothers who betrayed him and sold him into slavery. And they do not recognize him at this point. It was at this moment where Joseph could have done anything he wanted to do. And instead, he broke. Last week, I made a point. And the point was simply that when I've been betrayed, I can choose, I can choose to allow myself to grieve. And that's exactly what Joseph did at this point. He grieved. He's standing there in front of his brothers who betrayed him so many times, abused him, mistreated him, and in this moment, he broke. Verses 1 and 2 of Genesis 45 says, Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. Verse 2, And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And that is betrayal decision number one. If you're going to heal from the betrayals that you've experienced in your life, you have to allow yourself to grieve. And as I said last week, especially to the men in the room who don't like to talk about grief, if you just hold in that grief, you're going to turn into the worst version of yourself. But today I want to talk about betrayal decision number two. The second decision you got to make, and it is this, it is that when I've been betrayed, I can choose to have an honest and healing conversation. When I've been betrayed, I can choose to have an honest and healing conversation conversation. We get this from verses three and four as Joseph's story in Genesis 45 continues. It says this, after he's crying so loud that the Egyptians heard it, and the whole household of Pharaoh heard it. Verse three says, and Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him for they were dismayed at his presence. They thought he was long gone. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Right there, we see this principle. That when I have been betrayed, I can choose to have an honest and healing conversation. Now, anyone who's been betrayed deeply knows that talking about your betrayal story with anybody, is hard. It is hard. Often we carry guilt and shame and pain, uncertainty about the future. Whenever you've been betrayed, sometimes you're not sure if you can trust anyone again. Have you ever been there? One of the points I made last week was that allowing yourself to grieve with others 
forges life-giving and healthy outcomes. Life-giving and healthy outcomes. And I want to expand on that this morning. I believe that when we have been betrayed, yes, we have to give ourselves space to grieve, but also there comes a time when there needs to be a conversation. The question is, what kind of conversation is it? And there are two options. There are two different roads that we could walk down. You gotta choose one or the other, I believe. But there are two different options depending on the situation. Option number one, or road number one, is the one that Joseph walked down in Genesis 45. And we learned some lessons from Joseph in these two verses about how to have this conversation. It is this, is that whenever I've been betrayed, I know I need to have a conversation. Sometimes though, I need to have a conversation with the person or the people who betrayed me. That's the first road. That's the first option. And here's what we learned from Joseph. Number one is this. We learned that when I've been betrayed, I can initiate the conversation. I can actually initiate the conversation with the person who betrayed me, with the person who hurt me, with the, with the person who caused pain in my life. That's what Joseph did. In this moment when he's standing there and his brothers are in front of him, he looks at, he didn't have to tell them anything. He didn't have to tell them who he was. But instead, he said to his brothers, I am Joseph. And in that moment, in him saying his name, he is initiating a conversation with them. He knows what's going to come after that. He knows they're about to talk about the last time they were all together. That didn't go so well for him. And what Joseph teaches us is there are times in life when we have been betrayed and God gives us the opportunity to start a healing conversation with the very person or people who have betrayed us. And notice that Joseph started the conversation, but his brothers did not immediately go into it. Did you notice that? They kind of pause in this moment. So Joseph repeats himself. He has to repeat himself in order to get their attention. And right now his brothers are literally face to face with Joseph, the one that they betrayed, and the weight of that moment that happened so many years ago is now coming crashing down on them. But the truth is, there are times when I need to initiate that conversation. It's true that sometimes when someone has hurt you, it's true that sometimes they don't even know they hurt you. And by you initiating the conversation, it allows for you to shed light on that past hurt. It's also true that sometimes the person who hurts you, they know that they hurt you, but they don't know how to make it right. And so sometimes it is absolutely appropriate for you to initiate the conversation with the person who hurt you, with the person who betrayed you, so that light can be shed on the situation and the conversation can continue. So Joseph teaches us that there are times when I can initiate a conversation with a person who hurt me. Number two, he teaches us that I can ask my offender or offenders to come near. Notice when he's talking to his brothers here, he tells them, I am Joseph. He reveals who he is and they all know, uh-oh, is this really happening? Is this really the one we threw down the dry well? Is this really the one we sold into slavery? But notice he follows that up with, come near to me, please. Come near to me, please. Notice he said please. He said please because he's inviting them into a conversation. 
They have every reason to continue to back away and even run away. They realize now what they've done, and now somebody's got to tell their dad, right? But he says, no, I want you to come near. Would you please come near in this moment? He wanted them to come near so that they could talk and so that healing could happen. So Joseph teaches we can initiate the conversation. We can ask even the person who offended us to come near. The third thing he teaches us is that I can be honest about what brought us to this point. I can be honest about what brought us to this point. Notice that Joseph does not sugarcoat the situation. Notice he says, when he repeats himself, he said, I am Joseph. When he repeats it again, he goes, no, no, no. I'm your brother, Joseph, just so we're clear. And then he says, just so you know, I'm the one that you sold into Egypt. And right there in that moment, Joseph making that one line puts out before everybody in the room the elephant in the room. All of a sudden now, he is being absolutely honest about what happened in their last encounter together. Many times when we've been hurt, we don't want to talk about it. We want to bottle it up. We want to keep it in. But in this moment, moving very quickly right here, just two verses We see that he initiates the conversation. He invites them to come near to him and he puts on the table the pain, the pain. So many times we say, well, you know, so-and-so hurt me and if they want to apologize, they can come to me. Well, again, maybe they know that, maybe they don't. Maybe the responsibility is on us sometimes to be very clear about the betrayal that we experienced And maybe God has given us an opportunity to be the more mature person in that moment and be a catalyst for healing by putting that betrayal on the table. It's exactly what Joseph does. Now, some of you are probably thinking, all right, now, wait a minute. Wait a minute, time out. What if the person who hurt me does not want to have a conversation with me? Or what if the person who hurt me uh, refuses to admit that they betrayed me. For some of you, that's where you're living. You're living right now with a betrayal in your life, but the other person, they don't want to talk about it at all. You've invited them to come near, they won't come near. You've invited them to talk about the betrayal, they don't want to talk about the betrayal. Some of you, that's where you are. The answer to that particular situation, to get the answer to that, you need to come back in two weeks. Because in two weeks, I'm going to talk about the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Those are two completely different things. So come back in two weeks and and we'll talk about that. But if that's you, if that's where you are, please, please come back. So the first road that we can walk is the road that Joseph walked down. And that is to initiate the conversation, to invite the person who betrayed you to come near, and then to be honest about what you experienced from them. Listen, most relational conflict that we experience in life can be solved with road number one. Most of it can be solved with road number one. Please hear me. I know it's awkward. I know it's hard. There's nothing fun about it, but it's healing. It's healing. And sometimes it can be hard when you've been hurt To feel like now I've got to go have this conversation? Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing. If it's two Christians who are having this conversation, then it should be able to be had. 
because the power of the Holy Spirit is in both of you. If it's you and a non-Christian, I don't know. It's going to be hard because a renewed mind thinks differently than someone who lives in the world, just to be honest with you. Everybody with me there? But most, most offenses can be dealt with in this road, walking down that road. There's a different road, though, too. There's number two. The second road is the road we walk down when we cannot or we should not have a conversation with the person who betrayed you. There are times in life when you cannot, maybe they're no longer alive, or you should not, because it's not safe, have a conversation with the person who betrayed you. Again, maybe they're no longer living, maybe you no longer have access to them, or maybe it's not safe. But here's the thing. Even though you cannot or should not have that conversation, that does not mean you have to walk the road of healing alone. It does not mean you are stuck in any way. Just because having that conversation is not an option does not mean that you are out of options. But when we find ourselves in that place where we can't just go work it out with the person, we find ourselves in that particular place. That's where we have to lean on the people that God has placed in our life. We have to lean on the people that God has strategically placed in your life. And there's a healing choice that we can make. The healing choice is maybe it's time for me to talk about my betrayal with someone God has put in my life. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time for me to stop carrying this by myself. Maybe it's time for me to stop just listening to people on YouTube trying to deal with this. Maybe it's time for me to stop just trying to get some coping skills and hoping I forget this. Maybe it's time for me to engage the people who God has placed in my life so I can open up and be honest about the betrayal in my life. Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens. Bear one another's burdens. The word bear there means to share the load with another person and don't try to carry it yourself. Stop trying to carry it yourself. You know, so many times we say things like, well, you know, I know I've gone through this and I have to carry this and I have to live with this, but, but, but God will not put more on me than I can bear. God will not put more on me than I can bear. That's a really nice sounding phrase. Problem is it's not in the Bible. You do know that, right? It's a misquote of 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Listen, we can only carry the hurts that we have experienced in our life so long by ourselves. I'm sorry but you're just not strong enough. I'm sorry, but you're just not smart enough. We can only carry the betrayals we've experienced in life so long by ourselves before it starts affecting who we are and changing who we are and even changing the whole trajectory of our life where we have trust issues with everybody around us, where we have anger issues and we just go off 
You can only carry your betrayal so long by yourself before it starts seriously affecting your life. And the question is, am I willing to let the people that God has placed in my life, am I willing to let them see a portion of my life that I've been hiding from everyone else? That's really the question. Am I willing to open up, not with everybody and not with just anybody, but with the people that God has placed in my life? Am I willing to open up and let them see that part of me that I've been hiding from everyone else? Am I, am I willing to let them help me bear this burden so that I can heal from it? And then the question is, am I willing to do that for other people? Am I willing to help others? But the truth is, you cannot experience the healing you need by hiding the hurt. A lot of times we think we can. We think we can keep it to ourselves. We can process it out. And we can get there on our own. But you were not designed to get there on your own. That's not how it works. So the first road is you go to the person who hurt you. You initiate a conversation. You ask them to come near please. It's an ask. It's an invitation. They don't have to accept it, but that's what it is. And then you're honest about the hurt. But the second road, it still starts with initiating a conversation. It's just with the people God has placed in your life. And you ask them to come near. You ask them, can I show you a part of me that's been hurt and has been wounded and has not healed yet? And then you have that honest conversation. And many times what you'll find is that God has strategically placed people in your life who can empathize with you or sympathize with you and pray for you so that you may be healed. You know, the Bible tells us that we confess our sins to one another so that you may be healed. Not forgiven, God forgives, so that you may be healed. Many times the sin we need to confess to one another is a sin that's been committed to us, against us. And we go to someone and just by saying it out loud, we can be released from that power because now it's known. We've named it. And in the naming of it, honestly sharing that with someone who is safe in your life, in the naming of that, and someone who will pray with you in that moment, the Holy Spirit can work in powerful and healing ways. But you got to choose a road. You got to choose one. When you're carrying bitterness and when you're carrying resentment and when you're carrying anger around for things that happened in your past, maybe immediate past, maybe a long time ago, you've got to have a conversation. If it's safe to have it with the person who betrayed you, have that conversation. If it's not safe, look for who God has placed in your life so that you can have that conversation. Now, I want to give you four things here that when you're tempted to hold in the hurt. When you're tempted to hold in the hurt, I want you to remind yourself of four truths. And if you don't take notes, that's okay. Still write them down. And if you don't need these today, you will one day. The first one is this. is When you're tempted to hold in the hurt, you don't want to talk about it. You just want to man up and deal with it. Or woman up and deal with it. When you just want to hold it in... Remind yourself four things. Number one is this, is that God is faithful when people are not. Remind yourself of that. 
The reason why I start with that one is because so many times, so many times, people have come, sat down, talk about their betrayal story, and they say, why did God do this to me? My friends, God did not betray you. He did not betray you. Not at all. We live in a world where people get to make a choice, and that choice is to love or not love. And when people choose to not love, it hurts. But God did not betray you. That's why 2 Timothy 2, 13 says, if we are unfaithful, we, humanity, he, God, remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. God cannot not be faithful, and he will not hurt you. So when you're thinking about holding it in, remind yourself of that. So that my mind is aligned with heaven, I need to remember God did not do this. The second thing is that even if I've suffered great betrayal, I can be healed. It may feel like you're never going to heal, but you can be healed. Do you know that nothing is unhealable for God? Right? Like when Jesus says, all things are possible, like he kind of meant all things. I don't know if you know that or not. Nothing is unhealable when it comes to God. So even if I've suffered great betrayal in my life, no matter how great it is, I can still be healed. That's why Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 17, he said, oh Lord, if you heal me, I will be truly healed. I will be truly healed. If you do it, I will be healed. So we have to remind ourselves that God did not do this. God is faithful when people are not. And no matter how hard it is, no matter how heavy it is, no matter how deep the betrayal is, I am not unhealable. God can heal me. Just as he healed Jeremiah and many, many, many countless others before you. The third thing you need to remind yourself of is that God did not design me to find healing on my own. Again, I'm sorry, you're just not that strong. But God did not design you to find healing on your own. There are people around you, whether you know it or not, there are people who God will bring into your life who have gone through the same thing or similar things that you have gone through. And God strategically places those people in our lives for our healing so that they can walk with us down that road. And then he uses us to do the same for others. Because your pain Your pain that you have experienced in life is what gives you the ability and the qualifications to help others. Did you know that? There's some things in our life that we look at and we just say, I wish I hadn't have gone through that. And the truth is, we do. We wish we hadn't have gone through that. But what God does through that is he will take that, he will redeem it, he will heal it, and then he uses you as a healing agent for other people. That's why 1 Corinthians Uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies and God of all comfort, not just some, all, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction, no matter what it is, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted. This bear one another's burden idea is that, yes, there are people who God puts in your life 
to help you. And then God sends you to help other people. This is why everybody needs a Sunday school class. Everybody needs a small group. If you're not, if you're not in some kind of group, you're cheating yourself and you're cheating other people. Because not only do we need it, but we need to be there for others as well. We've privatized Christianity so much in our culture today. Me and my Jesus, and I'll just go here and I'll go there and I'll just kind of do this, do my thing. No, no, no. You were designed to be in community with other people. You were designed to be in community with other people. And so many times we just say, you know, well, I'm a self-made man or I'm a self-made woman. No, you're not. How arrogant. You're not. You're a product of the relationships you've had and that you have right now. The question is, are they good ones? Are they godly ones? The question is, are you a godly influence on the people who God's brought into your life? That's the question. You need to remind yourself, when you think about holding it in, God is faithful when people are not. I can be healed even when I've suffered great betrayal. And God did not design me to find healing on my own. Number four is this, is I need interdependence, not independence. I mean, we're Americans, a lot of us in the room. So we just love declaring independence. Christian life doesn't work that way. When you become a Christian, you join a local church, which I think everybody needs to do, by the way. You're saying, I'm your responsibility and you are my responsibility. And we're in this together. That's why we need interdependence, not independence. Again, there's no such thing as a self-made person. Ephesians 3.20 says this. We misquote this a lot. But Ephesians 3.20 says, God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that, what's that next word? We ask or think according to the power that is at work in a plural. We quote that a lot of times and we put I in there. Sorry, it's not I. It's we. It is us. You see, God does for us in community, in relationships with others, what we only wish we could do for ourselves. And a lot of times we walk around like the walking wounded but we've isolated ourselves from other people and we wonder why we can't heal. You with me? I mean, this is one of those amen, oh me type moments, right? We wonder, why can't I heal? We've isolated yourself. You've cut yourself off from other people who've walked through similar things who can help you heal, who can pray for you, who can help give you perspective. This is how God designed this thing to work. Listen, if you've been hurt, or betrayed, you need a conversation. The question is, who is it with? Who is it with? And are you willing to have it? That's the question. I want to invite the band up now. And before you just start disengaging your mind, everybody stay right here with me. We're going to celebrate some baptisms in a moment. It's going to be amazing. Before we go into that moment, I want us to pray. We have a prayer team here who would love to pray with you. And I want us to pray. And I want us to have an honest moment with the Lord. We prayed at the 8.30 service and people came down to the kneeling rails, some in tears.
And that doesn't have to happen right here. I'm not looking for some desired outcome. All I'm saying is I want to give us a moment to create a little space, have an honest moment with the Lord, and ask him, Do you, is it time for you to have a conversation so that you can be healed? Or do you just want to walk around trying to carry it on your own? You don't have to carry it on your own. Prayer team, please come forward, those who will be praying with others. And I want to ask you to stand wherever you are in the room. If you don't mind, bow your head. The question is, what kind of conversation do you need to have? Let's start with a conversation with God. Like last week, let's start with being honest with God. And maybe you need to take the hand of your spouse who's beside you. Because maybe you, you've been living past few months or past few years just constantly hurting each other and you're both emotionally sunburned and you just, you're just doing a lot of pain. And some forgiveness needs to be given and received. Or maybe you need to ask a friend to pray with you. And finally tell them, I've been carrying around a hurt that I don't want to carry anymore. I got an email last night. Someone said, I finally had a conversation. And I've been carrying around a hurt for 40 years. And it's finally gone. Maybe that's where you are. But we're going to go into a song. Don't disconnect your mind from what I'm talking about, please. If you want somebody to pray with you, there are people down here who would love to pray with you in this moment. But at least have a moment right where you are to be honest with him. So Lord, we come in this moment, we're honest. We just say we're gonna be honest with you. We've been hiding a lot of hurt. We've been keeping it tucked in. And Lord, it's affecting our life. It's literally changing our personality and how we have relationships with people. We're just tired of living that way. So Lord, we come and we, we say, we know you did not do this. We know it can be healed. But we also know that you did not design us to heal alone. So in this moment, we link arms or we take hands and we ask for you to work. Would you do what we cannot do, Lord? Would you touch in ways that we cannot touch? But would you use our touch to compound your presence in our lives?